Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Pounding the Table. We are here live for episode 12. Let's call it the Dirty Dozen. Because if you didn't think 2020 had enough excitement thus far, we probably had just the craziest week of news since we last jumped on the mics. So we saw what we call, quote unquote, a presidential debate. Stimulus talks, of course, are in progress. And unfortunately, President Trump and a good chunk of the White House now have come down with Corona. But right before we started recording this tonight here on Saturday, we did get a live look at Trump. Looks relatively healthy and optimistic about bringing America together. Kind of the first time I personally saw a humble Trump. So the book of 2020 certainly does continue. What does this all mean for the markets, you ask? Well, that is why Pounding the Table brings you sense into all of this madness. Welcome back, Pounders. And I got to say, Avi, just to touch on that for a second, it was very, very much so one of the most genuine things I've ever seen Trump say. And the humility was actually touching in that. And I love the whole idea of bringing the country so together. And it was a great look for him. And I think the markets will really respond well to seeing him in good shape, because obviously on Friday, we did have a significant dive because of him getting positive tested for that. So Avi, without further ado, what do you got for us this week? We'll quickly touch on how the markets did last week. As always, we got a little secret tip from you around how to trade the market at the beginning and the end of quarters. We got a hot sector, ladies and gentlemen. That is not a play on words. We're talking solar energy. Short squeezes on some of those sellers of one of our favorite names. I'm sure you guys could imagine what that might be. We got a Pounder's thesis pick and some stocks to keep an eye on. Some risk factors heading into the election and upside market catalysts. It is a new soup, ladies and gentlemen. Of course, we can't do a episode without talking about what's going on with the election scenarios as we head into November. And then, of course, at the end, we're going to talk about where the market's going. Yeah. And for those of you who are new to Pounding the Table, it's a podcast by Avi Mash and yours truly, Anthony O'Hayan, talking about the stock market, the art of options trading. And each week, we analyze the news and provide our opinions and insights around how we think the news will be impacting the markets. And a quick disclaimer here, the thoughts on this podcast are purely that of opinion and of our own personal investment. Everything said on this podcast, every single episode of it, as well as our Twitter account, are not and should never be used as financial advice recommendations or solicitations. So Avi, let's get this going. Yeah, Tony, as we mentioned earlier, it's been quite the crazy week. But before we talk about the future, how'd we do last week and and what do the markets as a whole do? Yeah, I mean, last week was very, very much so a uh, new soup, as we're saying, and there's been a lot of volatility so far over the last month, actually, since September started. So just want to start off by saying we did bounce off that 32-32 level, which was obviously huge. That was actually the uh, June high, which we actually dove off of back then as well. The NASDAQ recovered a bit. Uh, IWM, interestingly enough, the Russell 2000, reversed a lot of its drop. And, th- and that had a very significant drop during this crash. So it's only about 5 or 6% off of its recent highs of a few weeks ago. In my opinion, this is due to pricing in of the stimulus news. So I think that people are actually believing that this is going to go through. Otherwise, we would see a way bigger drop in uh, the Russell 2000, which is the small cap stocks that contain the airlines, the cruises and such like that. I mean, that's pretty big for the markets. 
Of course, and this is the best part, a lot of the stocks that we love to talk about in this show went insane regardless. So as market participants were relentlessly buying growth, they were juicing up their returns as much needed for many people who play the markets as a lot of people are obviously still in the red. And and that's just what happens in this very, very volatile time that we've been in the last year. But those stocks have been and will continue, in my opinion, to be some of the strongest stocks in the market for the coming years. Overall, I think we're in the beginning of a strong reversal, in my opinion. We should see growth and value actually do well in tandem, I'm thinking. Uh, Stimulus news will pop up value and people will continue to chase growth as it is the beginning of the quarter. So Tony, obviously we're recording here on Saturday. It's now the end of the quarter for Q3. You got a little Tony secret you were trying to whisper in my ear. And I said, why don't we just put this on the podcast? This could be interesting for all of our fans. Happy to share it. So here's the thing. People manage their portfolios. A lot of the funds, the pensions, the mutuals, they all do that into the end of the quarter. So a lot of the huge winners get trimmed. Some of the losers get cut completely off because nobody wants to hold things like Boeing on their portfolio's balance sheet at the end of the quarter that they have to report to people. At the beginning of the quarter, and this is the secret rule here, from the day one of that quarter start, you have massive inflows from 401ks, funds, et cetera. And they're buying back sometimes the things that they sold that did really well. And also allocating to things that will juice their returns. And that, my friends, is growth. That is what we talk about on this podcast primarily. And that is what they're loading up the first day of this quarter. And of the last two quarters, honestly. So this is why it's become a rule. It's happened a couple of times. And I think it's going to continue to happen, especially when you know a lot of people have been sitting out on the sidelines and a lot of people have to juice those returns because no one's going to be happy with negative and no one's really going to be happy with like one or 2% when you see people doing 100, 200%. And a lot of funds have this like rule. So they're like, if you have 5% of your holdings in one stock, let's say Shopify and the stock doubles, you're going to have to trim down that exposure to be 5%. And that's exactly what we were talking about with the TDOC and LVGO merger. So a lot of funds had both and they merged. So they had to sell them both or one of each and reduce their exposure to the overall merger after the fact. So the same thing happens with individual stocks towards the end of the quarter. You obviously don't want to not have Tesla or even worse, be short Tesla on your balance sheet at the end of the quarter, for example. So people are still in the red. They're going to continue to chase growth. And with yields so bad in terms of interest rates and what else you can get, like you're not going to be able to even make money with treasury bills. So what else would you be doing except for buying high growth stocks that will benefit the most from this situation? And if inflation comes, which it looks like it's going to be coming, that's going to help you out the most too. Yeah. So there's definitely a lot of risk factors you're talking about here. And, you know, I think everything is coming at once. We got the election, we got Corona, we got Anything you can think about is kind of all accumulating here right now. So I think it's really interesting and important probably kind of touch on some of these risk factors. And what is that like upside market catalyst? You made this analogy earlier about this being a new soup. I personally got hungry, but what does that actually mean (laughs) in terms of how we can make some money and how, how do we think about this moving forward? Yeah, I mean, obviously there's factors and headlines, news coming out of left and the right everywhere, like all over the place. You, you trade one day and you've got 30 headlines that have moved the markets five or 10 points either way during the day. So, I mean, this is about as uncertain and volatile as it gets, but it's important to understand the backdrop that's driving this market right now. We know for a fact, and it's been said time and time again by Powell, by all of the Fed chairs, that they're going to be backing us up with stimulus and interest rates for at least the next 2.5 to three years. So you've got time and the conditions for the market during this time could not be better in terms of what the Federal Reserve is doing for us. So that is just the, the backdrop. You have to think about all this stuff happening. But alas, we do have what I call a new soup. 
you know, and I want to give this analogy. So you've got a bunch of different themes that the news likes to hit on. You've got coronavirus, politics, everything. So think about it like you're making a nice Italian sauce for your girlfriend. You Mm. add too much salt to it. You got to add some more sauce to even that out or else it's going to be salty. But maybe you added too much sauce just now. All right. So you got to add more salt because there's not enough in it now. And then you can't forget to add the pepper or else it's just not going to be good. So before we get into this, I just want to set the backdrop for what's really the biggest driving factor in the markets. What's going to be holding us and driving us in the future, right? We know that stimulus from the Federal Reserve, interest rates being super low are probably the biggest thing that impacts the market at any given time, no matter the year, no matter what's going on. You know, Otherwise, we'd be at SVX 2000, but this is happening and it's not going to go anywhere for the next 2.5 to three years. And, and that's been said time and time again by Powell, by everyone in the Fed, the entire Federal Reserve Board is saying that they're going to be backing us their interest rates are going to stay at near zero for the next two and a half to three years. So before we get into the new soup, just understand that that's the backdrop that we're playing on. Like that's the field. And then here are the participants in the game, right? So it's all about thinking of which news factors are going to be driving the market and which ones matter the most right now. And when you've got so many, that's really, really hard to determine, especially because market algorithms, which have been recoded a lot recently, they've got to be very new because of all the different factors now playing into the market. So those inputs are being changed as quickly as they've ever really been. And every few minutes, you know, a month ago, you'd get COVID cases from Texas or Florida, and that moved the markets five or 10 points up and down regardless. Now they move 10 points, five points, 20 points, every time you get a Pelosi, Mnuchin, Trump headline on stimulus. And even more recently, it's been a combination of both, which means the level of uncertainty is very, very high right now. And markets generally don't love uncertainty, but each piece of news, when there's so much good and bad news counteracting each other, becomes less and less relevant to me, in my opinion. That's just the way I'm looking at the markets right now. I wish we didn't have to talk about COVID because I wish it would have been done by now, but it's definitely back in the news flow pretty substantially. However, I do want to share some data with you guys because I know a lot of people just read headlines. A lot of people just click the bait. Avi does too. And headline I just guy. Exp- big headline guy. Yeah. And, I, and even me, but I, I, I've learned that you have to read the entire thing and then cross-reference it uh. with 50 other things. I know it sucks. It's boring. But like, <laughs> do you want to know what's going on or do you want to think you know what's going on? Well, I do. US- exactly. Yeah. So US cases are continuing to hover between 40,000 and 50,000 a day. But when you look at the number of tests, we're testing over a million a day now. And a month ago, when the cases were about the same number a day, we were only doing 700,000 average a day in testing. So yes, regardless of what people think, the data tells me, and the data is law, right? Numbers don't lie. People just are wrong. That COVID in the US is getting better. People are also getting tested more and more now if they have any symptoms. And I, and I think this has to do a little bit in sympathy with some of the government officials getting it, being back in the media, especially with Trump and other big government officials getting Cam it. Cam Newton. Yeah, Cam Newton. I mean, fear actually makes this better by people getting tested, knowing that they have it, and then taking the right precautions to make sure they don't spread it. And I, I want to talk about data for a second here. You can look at the cases and say, oh man, we're going nowhere. 40 to 50,000 cases a day. Deaths are about the same. Why isn't this getting better? But then you have to cross-reference that with the, the inputs that make that data. So realize where is testing? How much testing are we doing? How many people who are positive get tested and how often do they get tested, right? You have to go into the iterations of looking into why numbers are what they are. Because numbers don't lie, but only if you understand the numbers for what they are. 
And that's just the biggest part of data that a lot of people overlook. And obviously I've been a subject of this myself. I've been clickbait before. And I try not to be because that's really how you you get things right. Otherwise you're going to get things wrong. Uh, Another thing that's in the markets now, stimulus talks. So we really did bottom last week because stimulus talks went from no hope a few weeks ago to getting closer and closer. And people are saying, well, maybe the stimulus never happens. Maybe it's just going to be so far off that nothing ever really comes from it. Regardless, the fact that it went from no talks to talks is bullish. That set a floor on the negative news flow for that piece of news. And obviously with what I just told you about the COVID data, that's a floor for the data too. So it bottomed, the market did, SPX bottomed off of my 32.32. And these pieces of news, these, these floor bottoms, what I'm calling them in news flow, is what's been holding the market up and allowing it to be strong, even though the news flow last week was still terrible, right? Like Trump got COVID. People are talking COVID all over the world now, again and again, like, you know, Europe's getting it worse. And the stimulus talks are good, then they're bad, then they're good, then they're bad. Then there's no talks and there's no discussion till the next day. Regardless, the market is not pricing in the bad news and it's not pricing in the good news. It's waiting for what happens. But because we're not crashing lower and lower, it's stronger regardless. So that is something that you have to absolutely pay attention to. And in my opinion, the House did a pretty smart move by passing their bill before going on that slight recess. And now Trump and the First Lady have tested positive for COVID. And Trump just said this today, right? He said, our great USA wants and needs stimulus. Work together and get it done. Thank you. I I think the GOP is going to have a really hard time not listening to Trump and not passing the stimulus, at least in one way or another, right? So maybe they're going to do the whole 2.2 trillion. Maybe they're going to do just a part of it and leave the state aid for another time. But regardless, something is better than nothing because something tells you that more is possible. That's the way you have to think about the news flow. And I also really like that Mnuchin told airline workers not to be laid off and, and told employers not to lay off people working in those industry. And Pelosi did say airline deal was coming and that popped up the markets and it popped up the airline stocks and other value stocks. Like you saw the Russell and IWM have a very nice move over the last few days. So that's really all the factors that are playing into the market. Of course, there's more, but that's really what I'm looking at here. It's really important to think about data. I know we were talking about this before we started recording, how I personally will take a look at CNN, then I'll take a look at Fox News, and I'll see the exact same point be portrayed in completely different lights. And so we were discussing about how you kind of take bits and pieces, bits and pieces of all these different news sources, and ultimately make your own decision and focus on the data, like data being the center of all of this. And I think that is something that our listeners and and humans should pay attention to, first and foremost, above listening to everyone on the news is trying to create fear. That's their job. That's how they sell, right? And so I think looking at numbers and not cherry pick numbers is important. So Tony, just before we jump into that next segment, I would love to hear how you take away from the cherry picking. How, how, How do you look at numbers when it could be the same number obscured in different ways. Yeah, I mean, this is, I think this is like the biggest thing I do with anything I do in trading. I mean, like if, you, if you're going to be good at all at predicting what's going to happen or, or having a good sense of even what's going on right now, you need to understand the real numbers. So, I mean, I was saying here that if you just look at the COVID cases, you're going to think, wow, like things are not getting any better. But then you have to understand every single input that goes into making that data good or bad. So what, what are the factors that go into positive cases? How many people get it? How many people get tested multiple times? So the average rate of people 
you know, getting tested? How often do they get tested again? And how many times on average do they get tested again before they get better or do they get worse? And then they're in another pile of the critical condition cases, the death cases. So that's first separating that layer, right? Then you want to look at how many tests we're doing. And, and so you can see that obviously testing is going up. And if the data is staying stagnant on the number of positive cases, that means that the percent of people who are positive is going down just from that one piece of data, not even factoring how many times people get tested who have tested positive. So let's say you get tested four or five times. If you're positive, you obviously are going to keep getting tested to see when you're not positive anymore. And when you hopefully have the antibody after. So if you're just looking and saying, oh, COVID's back in you know Germany and COVID's back in the UK. That I mean, first of all, that's a big deal because that comes here. And the bigger deal though is what's going on in the US because this is the US market and that's the biggest driver for the US market. I mean, China was going crazy and, and Italy and before the market even crashed in February and it started crashing when the US got bad. So understand the context for the data. It's the same when you look at a company, right? So people are like, why do you like Fiverr over Upwork? Well, Maybe they do the same revenue, maybe whatever it is. Like, I, I don't know the exact comparables just because I know I like Fiverr more because of what I've already seen. But if you look at like the Google search trends and the amount of visits on Fiverr, the amount of uses on Fiverr, it's four or five times higher than Upwork. And, and if Upwork is not able to grow as much as Fiverr, then the, the data tells you that Fiverr is being used more, that people like Fiverr more. So just knowing that is already going to be enough for you to say, well, that's more of a likely investment for me rather than Upwork. And, and that, that extrapolates to like every single part of market data that you look into. It, it doesn't matter what it is. I mean, unemployment rates is another one. You have discouraged workers. So after a certain number of months, those people don't get counted in unemployment. So if you have 10 million unemployed and after what I think, I don't know if it's, I think it's six months or three months, but regardless, after that time period, they're not counted in unemployment anymore. So your workforce obviously shrinks, but the percent of unemployment is better because those people are not unemployed anymore. They're just not counted. So that, this is why I always say unemployment numbers are very, very ambiguous, and you have to understand that. But that is how data in the real world works. It's not just the headlines that you read. And I'll tell you one thing, if you're watching CNN or Fox or ABC or whatever you're watching, especially CNBC, like if you're watching any of these news sources, that's somebody interpreting the data that they are supposedly already normalizing themselves. So it's better for you to just look at the numbers and make that connection and understanding on your own. Obviously, thinking about how you look at numbers as we enter into the election, obviously there's many different scenarios that could happen. We don't really talk politics because thankfully both of us are pretty independent. We don't side on one side or the other. We look at scenarios and situations versus just putting ourselves in a specific bucket. But of course, as we enter into the elections, this is important for our listeners. So at Trades AB had asked, can you touch on the election scenario? So there's a number of them. Number one, Trump could win. So Trump victory plus the Senate, however, not the House. Number two, a Biden victory, a blue wave sweep all across the board. So sectors, he's saying like health cares could be beneficial, et cetera. Uh, or three, a Biden victory plus Congress, but a GOP Senate. So a lot of scenarios here. I'm happy I don't have to take this question, Tony. Go for it. <laughs> yeah, you want to know what, Avi? It's actually, <laughs> it's actually an easier answer than you'd think. The answer is none of it matters. And I know people are going to say, why is he saying this? Like, what's going on? How does that make any sense? Okay, here, here's the thing. The market does fine under regardless of who's the president when the Fed is at the helm. 
So when I, you know, five minutes ago, I just said, consider the backdrop, like consider the stadium that we're playing in. And, you know, the players are less relevant in the stadium right now because the stadium is telling you that the biggest driver in the market, and this has always been the case, is interest rates and the Federal Reserve's stimulus. And that is not going to go away regardless of who is president, because that will unbuckle the entire economic system right now. The Federal Reserve has put so much money in and interest rates being where they are, if they go higher, that'll, that will actually crush the markets right now. That will complete, I will get completely bearish. I'll tell you guys to short everything because that's what I'll be doing to zero because it's just going to be horrible, especially in the conditions that we're in now until the economy recovers completely. And I mean like 100% back. And in fact, in my opinion, if they do anything before, it's better than it was before COVID on like a normalized actual databases then this is going to be really, really bad if they if they backtrack and take their foot off the pedal. So I think that a Biden win is bullish. I think that a Trump win is bullish. Of course, you're going to get short-term volatility because of it, because people are going to think one way or the other, one person's good, one person's bad. And I know a lot of people think that a Democrat being in office is very, very bearish for the markets, but statistically, it's actually really, really great. And you know, obviously, we've seen the markets do very, 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 very well under Trump. So either way, I'm bullish. And I just know that the only fear that I personally have is the month or two after it, or maybe even just a few days after it. I mean, look at 2016. We almost limited, I think we did limit down when Trump won. And then the next day we were barely even down. So that's what you have to understand. It's like a lot of political biases play into the market way too much. This is about numbers. It's not about who's on what side or whichever. It's about the, the stadium that you're playing in right now. And the stadium's telling you, go for the goal. So let's throw a curveball at you. So let's go a little bit off script, honey, for those that are saying if Biden goes in office, they're going to tax, you know, Amazon, all these NASDAQ through the roof. Are you saying that has no impact? I'm saying I think the likelihood of something like that happening in these market conditions is so small because anyone with a brain would understand that you shouldn't do that. And I understand whatever party's platforms want to do either side, but that's not the move no matter what your platform is. So my thought is maybe this happens, but you have to understand timing is only everything. And so is conviction. So my conviction is that this is not going to happen for a year or two years. And it probably won't even happen in three years because the reason why we're not diving and going insane right now and in a bad way is because the status quo is that we're having low rates and the federal reserve is pumping stimulus money in, you know, through their own money, you know, expansion programs. And the con and Congress is about to pump in another, hopefully 2.2 trillion. I mean, like you're not going to, you're not going to do the types of things that can contract the economy at all in the current situation that it's in. And we're not going to recover a hundred percent for a while. So, whether you're a Democrat, Republican, or you don't care either way and you just like to eat gumdrops, it's all about what is best for the country right now. And the best thing to do right now is to let the economy recover fully to where it was before. And that's not going to happen overnight. So give it time. And I don't think that any of these things that anyone's saying is going to be good or bad on either side matter because nothing will happen, in my opinion, until things are completely better. And by that point, we'll be at SPX 5000. I think Jay-Z kind of said it best with the overarching theme as politics as usual. So let's just jump right back into what we have here today for the Pounders thesis pick. You pick Jake Stearns Celsius. Why? What is this? Is this Fahrenheit Celsius? I have no idea. <laughs> I knew you were going to go with that pun, Avi. I could just tell. But I do have to say, right? So 
people always, and myself included, I'm always looking at these big, hot growth tech stocks and stuff. You'd be surprised to know that Monster Energy Drink is the best returning stock of all time. So that's incredible, right? That's not a growth tech stock. That's an energy drink company. And I'm just going to set that as the backdrop for this thesis pick. So Celsius Holdings uh, develops, markets, distributes, and sells functional calorie-burning fitness beverages in the U.S. and internationally. That's a big part of it. The company offers its, offers its beverages in various flavors, you know, carbonated orange, wild berry, probably something Avi would like, cola, grape, kiwi, guava, and watermelon. A bunch of other flavors, which is, you know, what you want. You want variety. But what really is interesting here is that it also provides Celsius heat. So that's a dietary supplement in carbonated flavors. So a lot of people obviously have been at home working out because of COVID. People who are already getting back into the economy and back out into the nightlife want to go out. But I think a lot of people now are on this health trend. I remember when I was in college, you drink Red Bulls and Monsters to go out. And uh, sometimes people drink Four Locos, whatever, you, whatever floats your boat. But this health trend is not going anywhere but up. And I think that when you want to get into something that people are going to be consuming, you have to factor that in, right? Like UC Beyond has been going insane. FMCI, something we were talking about, like a, a SPAC, a Tattooed Chef has done very, very well recently. These companies, I think, are overlooked a lot because you're not in the high growth tech sectors. But the numbers on this one are great. And I, I do want to call out that last week we had TCNNF as our pick. That's a marijuana cannabis play. And I still love this one. The numbers on it are great. But let's go back to Celsius, the ticker symbol, C-E-L-H. Revenue estimates for 2020 are really great. Uh, $125 million in revenue, $5 million in profit. Next year, $163 million in revenue, $12.6 million in profit. The year after that, 2022, $215 million in revenue and $23 million in profit. So each year, they're growing very well. And also, when you look at the market cap here, I mean, 1.6 billion, things like that at such a low total, you know, company value can really run. And when people are looking at forward estimates of revenue and trying to calculate a fair price for a company, a company that's growing at like 40 to 80%, it's also very volatile company, depending on sales volume of that year and quarter, it's going to give them a high multiple. So you're not looking at like a five times multiple to sales, like Apple's like six or five or something. You're looking at 10, 20, 30 times multiple. A lot of these software companies are, you know, Snow is at like, I don't even know, it's, it's over 50, well over 50. I don't even remember now because it was so crazy and I stopped looking at it after that. But for example, this one, right, Celsius, it, it can go way higher. And, I, and, and the reason why, besides the numbers and besides the fact that, you know, this is a trend and it's going to continue going in health and people are going to be going out and people want to study. And my friend, Jake, big shout out to you. I love you, brother. This is nuts to me that, you know, I graduated college like a year ago and no one in college when I was there really was drinking Celsius. He's telling me that he's drinking Celsius. He's a year younger than me. So he's drinking Celsius. His friends are using it to go out and to study, right? That for me, that's huge. Like that's, that's what you want to see more, more than the numbers, more than the comparables. All that crap is great. But the biggest thing is you want to see people loving a company, people using that stuff like religiously. So I remember being in Boston a few years ago for my birthday with my roommates. And I saw everyone talking about Tesla. I must have overheard it like 15 times. And I was already super invested in it. This is like when I made my trade that got me my car. This was around the Model 3 debut. And everyone was talking about it. I saw one Tesla dealership, you know, one store, 
a line was wrapped around the corner sideways. It, it, this is what you look for in a company. This is that extra little vision that makes the difference between a good and a great investment. And that's something I struggle with because one of your favorite stocks is Fiverr. I looked at my first Fiverr order was from 2011. Way, 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 way before they IPO'd, right? And like six years. <laughs> I loved the platform. I thought it was just like a goofy thing. I had this guy from India wish my ex-girlfriend a happy birthday. And the next time I heard about it was when you were pounding the table on Fiverr. So what's going on with Fiverr? Like that is that is one of those investments that I was like, shit, I knew about this first. Why did I not invest? How, how'd you find Fiverr is like a company that is awesome? Yeah. So I, I got to say, like, I, as much as I like to look at numbers and I like to portray myself as a fundamental, like, you know, growth investor, like I got to look at the numbers and see that they're great and the potential. That's not really the big sauce of what I do. Like, the biggest sauce of what I do is seeing what it could be. And, 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 and here's the thing. This is another touch on data. The analyst estimates are just that of regular people. And I don't think that any analyst can predict something any better than I can. And that's, you know, that's really not ego. That's me saying like, I do enough research, I do enough work. And I think that if I can project revenues and stuff, like the way that I've been doing, then mine is just as good as anyone else's. And the thing that they're just looking at is the numbers, the status quo, most of the time, right? There's people like Kathy Wood of ARK Invest who, who, do, who are doing what I'm about to say right now. And they add the vision aspect. And the vision aspect is the biggest part of an investment. And I don't care what you say or think, that is it. Like that's the sauce. If you want to be a great investor, get yourself a vision mindset to think what it could be. So you look at Fiverr, the numbers are like, I mean, they're obviously great. Like they're growing and this and that. And like, I think at the current valuation is still way undervalued compared to the other things that are growing as as such. But the vision I have in my head for Fiverr, and, and it actually has become like, in my top five holdings is actually tied with Fastly now because I think this is the Amazon of freelance work of jobs like in general. Right? You see this huge shift of work from home and that's happening right now. I don't think that's going anywhere. And that's going to be a thing that's going to be continuing in the next 10, 15, 20 years. You see people are not signing those commercial leases for those big companies anymore. You've got companies like Google and Twitter and Square saying you can work from home indefinitely. Okay. Well, I know a lot of people, myself personally, like if I was working in a cubicle, I'm sure I could do just as much work and half the time at home, right? So what are you going to do with the rest of the time? People have side gigs that they want to get into, right? People have hobbies. I saw, I was on Fiverr for like 10 hours, just like scrolling through what I could buy and what I could purchase. So I just, all that time that I spent on Fiverr and I saw everyone can do anything on there. You can, you can be like, I'm a Pokemon card expert, let me tell you what I think. Or you can give voice impersonations for 50 bucks a pop for 200 words. Like, and, and the amount of people who buy that is insane. Like I saw like one guy is giving voice impersonations have like 5,000 ratings, which means obviously he has like a ton more people buying that product. Uh, Cause like, obviously ratings are very, very small compared to the actual number of people who buy it. Cause not everyone rates stuff that they buy. So that's a huge thing to consider. And, and I actually see this as being like almost like a, a software as a service, Angie's List, right? So Fiverr, I think, in my opinion, is going to be doing things like if you're, you know, like let's say you're in where obviously you're you're in New York and you need somebody to come and be your plumber. Well, like instead of going to Angie's List or whatever it is, mm-hmm. like you'll go to Fiverr and you'll get that digital aspect that can come to your house in in a physical space. And obviously, international growth is just starting, and that's and that's going to be huge for them. They're an Israeli company. Obviously, international growth is already happening for them, but 
that's just getting started. I have so many more untapped markets to get into, but I think this company is probably one of the most undervalued, underlooked at companies, maybe not as much anymore since we've been pounding the table and since it's ran up so much since we called it at like, I think 90s, it's now almost 160. But this is why I love Fiverr because my vision for it is two or three times the company that it is now. And I'm not talking numbers. I'm talking about like the gusto, what it can do. Yeah. And this is when I push back on you, Tony, because one, I knew about this company for quite some time and i looked at it as like a kind of a funny gig economy what you just said right there though is very interesting of turning it into a, an angie's list right like what what differentiates this from a cameo these little gig you know happy birthday little funny messages here and there upwork was one that i battled back and forth with you on i was like hey they they're, they seem like more of a mature less giggy but you you fired back and the stock market clearly approved of what you said. So I'll take the L on this one. But like what, what differentiates Upwork and in a fiber? So this is when you look at actual numbers, right? For the comparables, not only do I think Fiverr has the potential to actually do what I'm saying way more than Upwork, but it's just the same reason why I picked Celsius as our pounder's thesis pick. People talk about it. Right. When you're on you're on Instagram or you're on whatever social media platform, how many Upwork advertisements have you seen? Okay, every time I'm watching something or I scroll through, I see a Fiverr advertisement. It's the same reason like I was watching Amazon like sometimes I watch TV when I trade and I was watching like a show on Amazon Prime Video and I saw four square commercials, four different square commercials within three episodes. Long square, end of story. When you have a company that's out there pushing their product and they're not advertising if people don't like it, you're not wasting money on ads unless the ads produce more customers. So this is what's going on. And and not only that, obviously, Fiverr has like three times the number of people that go on and orders placed than Upwork. So that's what I mean. this is, yeah, yeah, this is one of those things where it's like, there's only three ways to be the best. Be first, be smarter or cheat. Well, well Fiverr is the best. And clearly since they're, way ahead of Upwork and users and, and orders, they're, you know, smarter. And, you know, and I don't think they're going to cheat because they, they're doing so well already. So winner, winner, chicken dinner. Tony, this week's a little special. We got more than one thesis pick. And why do we have more than one? Because this week's pick was Pinterest. But Tony, you can't talk about Pinterest without Etsy. So at Naked Calls, huge shout out. He says, I'm long Pinterest. Why? Because it's a simple to see the increased demand for personalization for advertising. Ask yourself this question. If I'm 50 to 100 million top line company in growth mode, do I want my ads blasted with a fire hose to a thousand people? Or do I have a hundred people to have a higher sales conversion to see my product, interact with videos, pictures, et cetera? Why do you bring Etsy into the situation here? So I, I say you can't talk about Pinterest without Etsy because sometimes companies love to you know, benefit and grow from each other. And this is one of those situations here because 40% of all the traffic of, of buys on Etsy come from Pinterest. So, you know, you're scrolling through your phone on Pinterest, you see something dope and you like it, you want to buy it. You click on the link that's in, in Pinterest to go and buy that. And, and it generally takes you to Etsy. So you, you, you buy it on Etsy and that's 40% of all the traffic that Etsy gets. So in my opinion, these companies are as, as, have as much synergy as, as most companies, almost any company can have. So if you're buying Pinterest and you don't like Etsy, you don't understand the stock market. If you're buying Etsy and you don't like Pinterest, you really don't understand the stock market. 
So here's a Tony vision that I really think is going to happen. And I don't think anyone else has called this. So I'll be the Merger? first one to call it. They're going to merge. Wow. This would be the smartest thing for these companies to do. Why? Because you are the company that showcases, not only do you get a ton of ad revenue from other companies that are not just Etsy, but you showcase all these different pictures, collages, everything of these different yeah. products that people want to buy. And then these specialized products, these like niche, like, you know, one person making 10 mugs of whatever picture, whatever it is on Etsy. Why, why wouldn't they work so much better together? First of all, n- neither will get fees from one another. So that's just all, you know, top line for them. And second, how much more integrated can Pinterest get of buying and selling? It's like Amazon with pictures for specialized stuff. Like th- this, this to me is a no brainer. And I really think this is going to happen. Like, I, I don't usually call mergers and acquisitions, but this is an absolute no brainer. I'm in corporate America and I'm talking to all these brands, but this is what every single e-commerce company is focused on is that personalization. Switching gears to another hot subject. There's a lot of hot sectors that are coming out, but nothing hotter than solar energy, maybe. Let's talk to Ankit. He's asking, is there any take on solar stocks such as S-E-D-G-R-U-N-E-N-P-H? And then we got another question real quick. Let's just put them all together. We got run slash BSLR and renewable energy, renewable space. My brother and I have been watching it rip since the Corona bottom. It could have plenty of room to grow. Renewable energy is the future. They are both poised well in the space. So I actually added some of these to my portfolio and I've been in ENPH for a while now. Um, But I do think solar is one of the hottest spaces and completely pun intended, of course. Why else would we say things like that? Mm. Uh, But here's the thing. These companies are actually making a lot of profit. They're not just like these hot stocks or people hot <laughs> that are just running and ripping and everything. Like they're making sustained revenue growth, like very good growth and actually not crazy valuations for what they're doing. So one of my favorites, I would say Solar Edge, so S-E-D-G and E-N-P-H, so Enphase. I like both of those names a lot. Obviously, I like Run too, Sun Run. For me, it's hard to delineate which one I like the most out of all of these. I would have to give it to Solar Edge just because of the research I've done into it. But in my opinion, the solar space is obviously not going away. Like we're not going to be using oil and gas in 20 years. This is just not a thing. And if you're buying Enron and Chevron or Enron, if you're buying a, if you're buying these companies that are all oil and gas based, I think you're doing something wrong because you have to understand where the future is going. Why, you know, you see the tax policies in California, like for electric vehicles all over the country, we're getting incentives. That's why Tesla's doing so well, because this is the push into the new world. And we're not going to be having these automobiles that have gas, oil, and like a bunch of these mechanic processes that fade over time. You're going to be getting an update from your phone that fixes your car. Like I have with my Tesla. This is the future. And I don't care what you say. You're going to be wrong if you don't agree. So solar is going to be powering all of our homes. That's going to be what you have on your roof. And yes, it could be solar from Tesla. It could be solar from Enphase or Solar Edge. But this is where it's going. All these mega power plants are going to be whether or not it's like, you know, maybe this could be another energy source that really like, you know, has a stronghold on the economy and, and, and on the entire community as, as a whole. But solar right now is actually cheaper in most times than oil and gas. Right? Tesla solar roof is cheaper than a normal roof and it gives you solar. So you get money back, right? So this is a no brainer. I will just to keep accumulating these because they are volatile. 
it's a dollar cost average strategy for me. So I buy a little every week and they, I mean, I wish I would have just slapped the ask because these things are just ripping insane recently, but this is not going anywhere except for up. Honestly, this is, this is the new phase, this end phase. I like that. This is the new wave of technology of energy and you know, there will be something that comes that's going to be better, in my opinion. I think the technology sector as a whole will create some energy source that'll be better than this. But for now, for the next five to 10 years, barring any insane technological advancement, which will completely change the world as we know it, this is what you do. You buy these. This is the energy sector. This is the new energy sector. Forget Chevron. Why these companies over Tesla? Like, can't Tesla just be the dominant force in solar energy? I own both. So I'm not saying over anything. And I think that if anyone's going to do it better, right? Tesla bought Solar City, right? And, and Tesla is clearly the leader in energy. I don't care what you say. Like, they are the beasts. They're doing megawalls, power packs all over the world. So that's going to be huge regardless. But you think Tesla is going to be the sole roof provider, the sole mega pack provider? And, and not only that, they need materials to build into that. Maybe they make their own, but if they want to scale, if they want to globalize fast, first of all, like what they're doing, like you, you, need, you need mergers, you need like patent like connection, you need hmm. this person giving you this and, and then Tesla producing that and, and it's a synergy of all the things. So in my opinion, there's no way that Tesla's going to have a roof on every single home that's solar, just because that's not how market share works, right? You see other electric cars selling heavy. Tesla doesn't have 100% ownership over the electric cars. And they were the first to that at bat by a mile and pun intended on the car joke too. So it's all going to come together and you're going to see that there's room for this to grow because energy is so big in everything we do, right? We're talking right now because energy is allowing us to use our computers. Energy allowed us to create our computers over generations. Like this, this is what's going on. So there's room for all of these to run, sun run intended. Oh, I like that. And what I don't like is that this is a family show because I'd love to just be explicitive all over the map after this one. We had those short reports. This is Nanax, folks. This is the one we've all been talking about. Everyone's been thinking about this. And this is the facts. We were the first to call it. And Tony pounded the absolute table took Muddy Waters and Citron. They just threw them under the bus. I simply asked, I said, Mr. Paul, again, just please show us a live stream of anyone, someone using the Nanox. And what did we get? Two, three days later, they said they're going to do it. So, Tony, let's talk Nanax real quick. I, I, and I love the energy because I felt this way. I mean, the day that that came out, I tell you, I don't think I've ever been more like fired up on Twitter on, on everything. Like I was like in market mode at that point, because th- this is one of my, my favorite things that investing is all about, right? Everyone has an opinion. You're right. You're wrong. You're right. And then you're wrong again and whatever it is, but you got to stick to your beliefs and your conviction. And did I ever think that I was wrong? Hell no, not a chance. And if I was wrong, I was going to go down with the ship unless news hit that said I was wrong before that happened. And Tony, I was the biggest pounder. I've gone back and forth. Anytime we go over 100%, 200% on a stock, I get a little concerned, right? Maybe we take those profits and run. I got to say that all these people who say anything about anything about stocks have opinions and they're just like you and me. Not anyone smarter, not anyone. I mean, Citroen and Money Waters are dumber, but they've been wrong so many times before. They've been wrong on NVIDIA. They've been wrong on Tesla. They've been wrong on Shopify. 
How can you be wrong on the best stocks in the market and then have credibility to what you say, which is obviously crap. And that's what's been shown here. And you want to know what people are like, oh, the CEO is not a good leader. You know, he hasn't come out and attacked. A couple of days later, he said, you know what? Screw you guys. He, word for word, he says, the presentation in early December will crush allegations from short sellers. So if you're still short, you, you need help. Like you need to listen to more pounding the table and you need to like get another table because like th- this is what you need to be doing. I never, ever change my conviction because someone else said something. And that's like, that's a, I just throw a Tony rule in there. Don't change your mind unless something changes, not because someone else says something. And that goes to life too. Like don't listen to other people's opinions, make your own. Because if you have the conviction and you stay in here, I was never worried for a second. Because nothing changed from the time I bought it to the time it went up and the time it went down. All it is, is two short sellers, which is what they're known for. And you want to know what they covered before this came out. They covered days after they reported this. And they'll come on TV next week and they'll say that they covered. And this is just a game that they play. But meanwhile, the clickbait people are going to read these reports and say, oh, man, this is, this is bad. Like, Nanox has no revenue. What did you not know that before? Nanox has no demonstration. There has been a demonstration video. And here's another one that's going to happen live. And then I heard someone who's like, oh, I'm a radiologist. I think this is crap. You know what? I'm a radiologist too. And I'm an epidemiologist. What and else? I'm an automobile manufacturer. What else? I'm a semi- yeah, I'm a semiconductor. <laughs> I'm a transistor creator. I do whatever I want. Yeah, no, it doesn't that's matter. Just because, you, just because you know how to make an iPhone doesn't mean you know that Apple's a good investment. Okay? If that's the case, then everyone who works in these industries would be a lot richer and they wouldn't be working in these industries. So- that is the biggest thing you need to understand. Everyone has an opinion and a lot of people have bad opinions. So make your own opinion and do the facts. Like do, do your research. Nothing changed from the time that we bought this to when these short reports came out. Everything that they said in it, first of all, a lot of it was crap. And second, they just were doing that to make money off themselves because they know that this short was heavily bought, easily to get shorted. So they could have made a ton of money quick. And there was nothing really substantial to back up the claims until the CEO said what, what we asked him to say. You think that Sony, first of all, they spent over a billion dollars creating the technology that it was retrofitted and, and used now by Ron Palikian for x-ray technology, right? So it wasn't originally intended for this specific type of x-ray technology. So he had the idea, use that technology that was over a billion dollars funded by Sony. And that's not a small company. Everyone owns something from Sony. SK Telecom backs them. BlackRock backs them. I mean, you're going to trust Citron and Muddy Waters who have been wrong on Tesla for thousands of percent and short Shopify and NVIDIA. For their, yeah, it's on. They're wrong on everything, man. Exactly. And, and they do this to make money for themselves, right? Like, And, and someone was saying this like, well, they make money doing what they're doing. I'm like, yeah, I don't want to have a scumbag reputation. I don't want to be known for being wrong on stocks, even if I make money. It's a moral thing. And this is not a moral thing. It's a scumbag thing. So do your own research and, and don't listen to the noise because there's so much noise all the time. And I had a lot of hate on Twitter and this and that. First of all, if you didn't take any profits at 200%, rethink your strategy, Yeah, which I did, obviously. But once again, if you didn't pile back in when it was 26 after hours after this news hit, which I did and I posted that, like, what do you, you know, you don't really think about this company in the right way. And, and it's not just this company. It's a generality for all the stocks in the market. Everyone has an opinion. Make your own because yours is probably just as good, if not better than anyone else's. It is time for Tony's Rules. Tony, what do you got for us this week, baby? So I've been touching on this a little bit in the whole podcast, but the rule is to think about the unknown now. Like what's not in the stock's price that you see could be in the stock's price. So I wrote a thread years ago on Tesla and I'll actually like find this and post this on my Twitter. 
where I like predicted that they would buy solar city and merge and do solar roofs and solar everything and mega packs and power walls and, and, and renovate that entire industry. I predicted that they do a truck, which they did. And I predicted they do a semi, which they did. And then a new roadster, which they did. So you have to think actually in the future, think about the unknown that's unknown for now, because things that are unknown, if you're right, become known and become part of the stock's price. So this is why I'm saying like when I, when I was talking about Fiverr just now, not many people were factoring in what I was saying there. And, and that is just the biggest piece of investment, I guess, like the juice that like powers those investments over time is not what's already public knowledge and like what everyone's pricing into their models and their estimates. It's what you think is going to be the differing factor that no one else knows about yet. And right, that's the hardest part too. You have to be like in the game for a while to understand this. And, and maybe not even that, like you just have to understand the vision of the future and, and where you think it's going to be, right? So I'm saying like, obviously the solar energies are going to go insane because that is where the future is going. Obviously Fiverr is going to go insane, in my opinion, because- mm. Amazon went insane, and then they're the online retail. Fiverr's going insane, and because they're the online jobs. And right, and I know, Avi, here, this is about the time when we get into questions, but I think we've already included so many questions in this, and this is getting a little long. So I think we're going to wrap it up here and save these questions for next week. As always, we appreciate you guys sending them in, but we try to give you as much jam-packed information as we can within this hour, just not to bore you for making a two or three hour podcast. So once again, thank you guys for sending in the questions, the supports, the comments, everything. And we'll definitely keep it. We have a list, you know, of all these questions that we get to each week. If we don't get to it this week, we'll get to it next week. So thanks again. And I want to talk about this from like a broad perspective, because it's not just about next week or next month. It's just, I mean, this is a life thing, right? So we're at a time right now where everything is just so off base of normal that, you know, the normal algorithms aren't working. Like, the normal investment strategies that have worked for 40 years aren't working. Risk parity is not working anymore. Th- things are just not the same. And that's not to say that they won't ever get back to you know being great or better. And, and I know that a lot of people have lost their jobs and are in tough spots. And like, I feel for every single one of you because my parents are in the same situation. And like, you know, it, it almost brings tears to my eyes. I think it has, you know, off episode, but you have to understand that you got to look for it. Like, this is a thing that while the market's forward looking, like you have to be forward looking because things are not going to just get better with a snap of a finger. You know, most of the time you have to make them better and you have to hope that things are going to get better because I mean, hope at the end of the day is what drives the market, but it's also what drives life. Right. And I know a lot of people have a lot of different ideas about like life and death and everything, but you know, the worst things can sometimes be the best things. You know, people are terrified of death, but death is the only reason you get up in the morning to do anything. So the bad, you got to try to look at it as the good, because I know this is the time when there's political turmoil on both sides. People are freaking out left and right. You know, coronavirus is rampant again. Some people are losing money. Some people are making money. But at the end of the day, it's all the same. And we're all humans. So I just want everyone to just realize that the best way to live your life is just to be a good person and do the right thing. And, you know, there's a lot of Twitter hate on. There's a lot of just hate in the world. But try not to try not to hate, because at the end of the day, it's not doing anything good for anyone. Don't be a pessimist, be an optimist. You know, short sellers get murked a lot more than the people who are optimists because optimism wins. And that's as simple as it is. So, you know, there's a light at the end of every tunnel if you just look up. Stay strong. Everyone think positive. We are here for you. We're a community, baby. Pounders, I hope you have a great next week, great life, great year. And I'm not just talking stocks. So we'll see you next week. We're going to be here and we hope you are too. Thanks, everybody. 